Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Coming to you live from beneath the ruins of Valve, it's Buckle Movie Club. And welcome to Puckle Movie Club. I'm your host, Ethan, here today with my co-host, Viger. And we're here to talk about Pokemon The Rise of Darkrai, which is movie 10 in the Pokemon mainline movie franchise. Uh, came out in the States, 2008. <laughs> What's that yelled in the background? <laughs> that was just me screaming, it's about time we got to this movie. <laughs> hey... So yeah, we made it. Some people doubted us, but here we are. We made it to Movie 10. Movie Club's here. One year in. No one can stop us now. Nope. Rise of Darkrai is the first movie in the Diamond and Pearl series of films. It's the first in a trilogy, only trilogy in the Pokemon movie franchise, making it somewhat unique. And uh, you've, got, you've got a little detail for us on a, an event Pokemon that was tied in with this. Yes, during the movie's release over in Japan, because, of course, Japan gets all the better stuff that True. we Americans and Westerners don't get at all. Pokemon usually have a distribution event with these movies, and Darkrai was the distribution Pokemon for Rise of Darkrai. But this Darkrai was super-duper special and overpowered because it <laughs> knew both Roar of Time and Spatial Rend wow. alongside Dark Void. So, jeez, that's a powerful one. <laughs> now, is this is this a thing you ever see, or is this just like I don't theoretical? Think a, no, it's not theoretical, but it's just this is the only way that you could get a dark ride that knew both those moves at the time was to go to that, go to the movie and see it, and then receive the distribution of it. Interesting. I don't see it ever being used at all. Most likely because it's been super duper banned mm-hmm. because of that. But who knows if they can let Dark Void Smeargle in, then. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, uh, first time in a Pearl movie. Uh, first thing you notice in this movie is no more Max. No more Max. He's not in the recap. So yes. we made it through that drudge, and I'll bring up later. It's uh, it's just nice to have a movie where Max doesn't have to befriend every single legendary Pokemon in it. Yes, so we're past that phase. Uh, so the film opens with uh, Dialga and Palkia facing off. In, in like a dark void, which we'll be returning to a lot throughout the course of this movie. Get used to it. Yes. Um, I think they dub it the space between time and space itself. Interesting. It's a different. It's like, like a, a different dimension. Literally, it is. Literally, it is a void of nothing. 
Yeah, but unknown apparently. But that's yeah, yeah, like there's a here or there. <laughs> they like they make contact and then some no unknown explode out from nowhere, which is kind of interesting. Run, they're running from it. Yeah, as both these two Pokemon are just going at each other. Interesting seeing them pop up again. Nice little Easter egg. So then we cut to uh, our character named Tonio, who's reading through uh, a. a, a a guy named Godi, who we learn later is his grandfather, where he's reading through Godi's diary, which is a total invasion of privacy. Um, and at the same time, the, the sp- time and space Pokemon are duking it out in the black void, uh, which is, at this point, I'm already worried because, like, this, there's not a ton going on in this void. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of visually bland. But that said, like... They're, they're well, how do you how do you interpret a space of nothing? Oh no, for sure. I, I, so, something I, something I do like here is that they do a really great job of establishing how powerful they are right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Like their moves just have a ton of weight to them, and it feels like it's it's shaking dimensions, which is really, you know, what you is gotta, happening? <laughs> what you got to get across. And then one of uh one of Palkia's shoulder crystals cracks from the force of Deaga's blast, and then we we like oh, he seems to be on dire straits. And then we I think cut. this is like one of the first times you actually see a legend like a true to form legendary Pokemon being injured. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those few moments where you see an actual physical physical damage. Yeah. Other than just like a dirt mark or a bruise. No, this is like an actual crack. Yeah, in. like that's a thing that's existed for all of time. That's an interesting again, thing to note. And again, it just goes to show again how powerful these things are. Um, mm-hmm. Full powered roar of time can only just crack one of those things. Now, is that organic? Is that a part of Dialga? Or, I'm sorry, it, I would say it's it is organic, like how organic a Geodude might be. Mm-hmm. In that regard, just again, chalk it up to Pokemon physiology. It's an actual pearl, but it's part of Dialga, or not a part of Palkia. But yeah, uh, he takes a beating, and then we uh, we cut away to uh, you know our gang Ash, and we got uh, we got Dawn now, which is a lot of fun because I, I I like the character of Dawn. She's uh, I do too. Um, at least she's not Max. And then we got Brock, yeah. and uh, they're heading to Alamos Town for a contest. We are bombarded with the the new voices, which I'm still not used to yet. Um, Brock's voice <laughs> is just a little bit too old. So when we when he comes across and meets Alice, who is uh who's going to take them to Alamos on a blimp, it just seems creepier now for him to be hitting on like younger girls with his deep old man voice. And Ash's voice is just kind of like hollow. I don't know, but it's you know you get used to it. It's you get acclimated, and um, they're going to be with these voices for a long time. So uh-huh. yeah, I got to get over it. Alice takes them up to Alamos Town, which is on this um. It's on like a cliffside that you can't access from the ground. Like you have to, they, like they're they're across the river from it, so they need Alice to take her them across in a blimp. And uh, she explains that she's a music student, and she shows off her impressive leaf, leaf whistle skills. Uh, she blows, she like she takes a leaf and blows into it and makes a song, and it's kind of a, a an obnoxious sound. Uh, yeah, it's as supposed to be as a leaf whistle can be. Yeah. But... I mean, she's getting impressive range out of uh, just a leaf that she got off of a tree, and it's impressively loud, but it's like, this is supposed to be soothing, and it's kind of ringing in my ears. Anyways. Well, you're not a Pokemon, so. It's true. They have have better hearing than I do. Just like dog whistles. (laughs) Who am I to say what sounds good? Uh, So Team Team Rocket watch, uh, watch the gang from their own balloon. 
and uh, they encounter some Drifloons and Driftblims, and they try to capture them with, uh, not with Pokeballs, but instead with, like, um, a net. they got a net, which is <laughs> just, just not net. super effective, and uh, the Drifloons send them flying, and we don't see much of Team Rocket in this movie, really. They're, they're kind of stuck in, like, a more minor role, uh, which they have I, been I for don't... a while now. I'd almost have to say it's more of like a cameo-esque role. Yeah. They show up later in the movie just for some comic relief action. Um, but I, I I think we get a healthy amount of Team Rocket if we're going to see them yeah. in this movie. Uh, so they land in Alamos Town, uh, get off the blimp, or the, the hot air balloon. And, uh, and Ash they, and Pikachu immediately start picking fights with other people. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> As they, you do in Pokemon. So yeah, uh, they see the space time towers, which were built by Goaty, who was the 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 dude whose diary they were flipping through earlier, or Tonio was flipping through earlier. Tonio is a scientist guy, by the way. Then a, a a powerful wave of energy hits their balloon. I guess they haven't landed yet. Sorry, my continuity is a little yeah, bit off. They haven't um, landed yet. And then Tony, we cut to Tonio in the lab, and he makes note of it, like, "Oh, there's a disturbance." And then, as you said, uh, Ash immediately starts picking fights because he's just a hoodlum. He's a hood rat. Yeah. And uh, it's whimsy town. It's, t- it's time for some whimsy, which are yep. the sequences where they play. It's a music montage. Yes, a music montage. Everybody doing their thing. Of the game. play this catchy song. Yes, uh, they play "We Will Be Heroes," which is one of my favorite of the Pokemon openings. I'm not sure it's a good one, but I really like it. So then it is a good one too. I know, no, 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 for sure. It's <laughs> definitely entertaining. And this rendition is a little bit like butt rocky, and I really like it. Um... <laughs> They enjoy some carnival activities in the town square. Pikachu fights a Torterra. Croagon stupidly a... uses a Thunderbolt against it. Yes, but it's Ash. He's a moron. He, how on. many times <laughs> does my man have to use an electric move against a ground type? It's not. In, this was one of my biggest pet peeves. Was that the fact we all know Torterra's part ground and grass. So not only are you using a type that not only has no effect to it, but even if the ground type was gone, it's still not going to be that effective because it's a grass type. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> idiot. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. So Croagunk fights an Infernape in a little hand-to-hand combat battle, which is pretty cool. And uh, Piplup goes toe-to-toe against an Empoleon, which I think is hilarious because either that's just some really poor training. It's not really- it's they like Bobopedia says it's not really a battle but more of a pride contest. Like just seeing who's the better Pokemon just by standing next to each other and trying to be all impressive. They actually do have like some combat later on, and Pepplup takes it really seriously, and I like it when cute Pokemon act serious. I think it's funny. Yeah, he's got the he's he's scowling at him and stuff. So then they they're taken by Alice to a garden designed by Goaty, whose name is gonna be all over this movie. Get, another yeah. get, get used to it thing. Uh, He's but, basically the old walking, talking Magic MacGuffin that more or less is throughout this entire movie. Yeah. Uh, he has more to do with resolving the conflict than the heroes do. And he's but, dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then we get, we go straight from a whimsy scene into a gang shows off their parties scene. Um, yeah, of course. Which, which they have to hit in every movie. And I was kind of floored that they hit both of these back to back. But right. yeah, the, the trainers from Pokemon run around the garden, and it's nice, you know. You all, it's always a staple in those Pokemon movies. First you battle, then you show off everybody. Not necessarily mm-hmm. in that order, but still. Yeah. Uh, Just kind of give you a recap of, here's where we are in the series. Ash and everybody's caught these Pokemon. I'm still Just stoked. so that we know where to put them i'm still stoked every time i see apom on the screen um yes, it just makes me he hadn't been traded yet so we're 17 minutes into this movie 
and, and the plot happened. hasn't even started. <laughs> but uh, the trainers notice the Pokemon get her, are beginning to squabble, and Alice sues them with her leaf whistle, which is, again, one of the least appealing sounds I've ever heard. But uh, you're not a Pokemon, so... Yes, of course. Uh, then Gallade shows up to get the gang's attention and shows that a part of the garden was like some pillars in a in a, an arrangement have been warped and knocked over. Like they're they've kind of deformed. I'd almost have to say it's like they were melted, mm-hmm. like a like a candle, like right at the base, and you can see where it's like shrunken in on itself and then just sort of tipped over. Not necessarily shattered or broken, but literally like melted. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, it's it's an interesting. Like, they have a kind of a texture on it. Like there are certain at certain points in the movie, they show where like the time space disturbances have affected our world, and they do need a decent job. Or like there's like there'll be spirals on the ground, or you know, like pieces of the floor have have warped in an interesting way. Yeah. And then Alberto, who is just a dandy fellow, he's a dandy guy, uh, shows up and declares that Darkrai is responsible without really knowing basically anything. Uh, and this is the point where you ask yourself, what's a dark cry? <laughs> right. Because we hadn't even seen nor heard about this thing except in the title of the movie. Context is it's important. Still. Alberto has a Licky Licky, which is a great fit. That's just a great fit for him. Uh, and I'm happy to see Licky Licky get use in the series. And he has Licky Licky use dark uh, use hyper beam, which is like a pretty extreme measure, thinking yeah. uh, that he might have heard Dark Cry rustling in the rustling in the bushes nearby, but it just turns out to be Tonio. Which is like, what are you doing coming out of the bushes, Tonio? Use use the walkways, homie. I think they do actually ask that question. It's like, what are you doing in the bushes? Right. <laughs> Why are you creeping in on us? And like, yeah. oh like you're allowed to be here. Your grandfather well, already... designed this. Well, he's already snooping through his diary, so he might as well snoop some more. <laughs> yeah, he's a snoopy kind of guy. So Tonio goes and examines the the pillars, and like he's like, "Oh, it's another disturbance in time space." And then a piece of the pillar falls off and just totally brains him, which is funny. Just shows how pathetic he is in the yeah. long run, right now. Seems least. like a seems like a bit of a loser. But as we see later, uh, Alberto flirts with Alice, and Alice doesn't bite. And then she instead declares that she likes Tonio to get Alberto to buzz off. Uh, and the audience is like, ah, this is kind of a joke, but we see that she actually totally does like him because of a backstory yeah. thing. There's a uh, backstory. Is Do we talk about that now or wait for it to happen? Let's, let's hold on that because it's, yeah. it's set up here and there's so many yeah, seeds there's for more, something to come there's later. More points. There's more points that happen that we have to get to first. We go back to the dark world or the the dark. What, what did you call it? You had, you had a term just, for just literally the void. The void. Because it's back. literally it's literally between dimensions. Mm-hmm. There really isn't anything there. It doesn't exist in our realm. It there really isn't. It's a. I would basically say a dimension of nothing. Uh, so Dialga and Palki are still fighting, uh, and this is where our Palki has more or less is running at this uh, point. I think. It, the limitations of the character designs are kind of shown off here, which is an issue I've always had with them, is that they they seem really stiff. Like, yeah. And, like, again... Well, I think Dialga can kind of get away with it being steel-type, but mm-hmm. still. And they're so old, they're probably decrepit at this point anyway. They don't want to be doing a ton of moving. No. Uh, so we're back in our world, and darkness starts to roll in, and then you hear Darkrai creepily say, Do not come here. I say this, and you're like, "Wait, Ethan, you didn't describe where he is," and that's because that's it's pretty hard. It. 
it's pretty hard to determine where he actually is in relation to the gang just because of like some poor directorial decisions like he could be anywhere it's just they never they don't really establish where he's standing and the gang's addressing him and he's addressing the gang but we never like we don't get a wide of the two of them like uh, the two sets of them together until like way late well, the in the way scene that, the way that they intro- the way that they introduce Darkrai is that he's not technically present but mm-hmm. rather he's in the shadows like literally sunken into the ground through the shadows and but, then as the lights dim and the churum go into their non-sunlitten form he rises out of his shadow like off in the distance but the just kind of looking at them the issue i have is that you don't really get a shot over his shoulder or anything of him looking at them he just kind of rises I, you do in you do when he fully rises out of the ground it like would, he's looking yeah. at everybody. It just takes and a while. Everybody's got a clear shot of him. Yeah. Okay, I could kind of see what you're saying. It was just seemed a bit confusing spatially to me. Yeah. So again, you kind of see like they don't really show like his form at first. They just kind of show this like dark ripple happening in the ground. Mm-hmm. And then like, oh, that's Dark Cry. And then you see his form begin to take shape and rise out of the ground. So, which I think is a really, really cool way of introducing Darkrai and just like this mysterious presence. And you see this because we, as a society who watch these kinds of shows, we immediately look at Darkrai and think he's the bad guy just because mm-hmm. of the way that he looks. He's sinister. He's a dark type. He, we don't know anything about him, and we already have some guy saying, "Oh, this guy's responsible for it," because just look at him. I which think... is the overall theme that goes through this movie, which is why I love it so much. But more on that later. I would think th- I would agree that like that's a cool way of introducing him. But I don't really like he's saying D- don't don't come here, and it's really like trying to force you down the line of thinking that he's the bad guy. Yeah, but we again, already, it's, all in context. It's just the issue how, what I have is that we as the audience know what is actually causing it. So instead of being like a revelation, it's just more dramatic irony. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It's, it's, it's effective. It's an effective introdu- introduction to him. In retaliation for Alberto attacking him, uh, Darkrai shoots a, a dark... Uh, what is the move? Is it Dark Void? It is Dark Void. I always thought an idea of how the move works. It's just a little ball of dark energy and that anything it collides with just expands over them and then immediately they're out cold. So yeah, Which, Ash gets uh, pulled into a, a, a nightmare sequence where his shadow because Licky Licky dodged it. Yes, uh, which I thought was funny because uh, I, I mean it makes sense. I just thought it was funny to see Licky Licky dodge that move and it hit Ash. I, I don't know. Um, well, it's weird how Licky Licky is that limber. I guess he's probably physique. light. He seems pretty like airy, you know. Hold on, I am going like to balloon. Google and see how much a Licky Licky weighs. <laughs> All right. Just to see it, just like maybe three hundred eight point six pounds. Uh, there are some three hundred pound dudes that are pretty fast. Have you seen football? Yeah, true, true. <laughs> so Ash gets pulled in the dream sequence, and uh, his shadow in, inside the dream sequence, his shadow turns into Dialga, like a demonic. And not da- not Dialga, or is it Palkia? It actually, turns into Palkia. Okay, it's kind of hard to see. Like it I, is it is hard to see, yeah, but again, in context, that all gets kind of worked out later on mm-hmm. as we're it's like a spectral with... form of of it, uh yeah, so... we hear its cry though, which 
for those of you who are looking into this as well, it's the same cry as that like lizard thing that Obi Wan Kenobi rides in Revenge of the Sith. Really? Star Wars movies? Yeah, same cry. Oh God, I think I've yeah, heard that other places as well. You'd be surprised at where these certain cries go. Giratina's got Mothra's voice. Really? Or even a mix of Gigan, which are two Godzilla <laughs> Toho monsters. Spoiler. <laughs> I'm really bad at at like picking out cries. I haven't been able to I haven't been able to pinpoint Dialga's cry in the movies, but it's very familiar to things that I have heard in other shows and movies and whatnot. But yeah. Uh, Somebody can let me in on what that cry actually is. Leave it in a comment below after this. Send an email. Send us an email. Yeah, send in an email and let us know. Pucklepodcast at gmail.com. Put movie club in the near subject line. Um, so uh, Ash wakes up in a Pokemon. Is it a Pokemon Center? It is a Pokemon Center. Okay, so it's like a back room for trainers, I guess. And, uh, it's just the hospital portion of a Pokemon Center. Um, which is an element I, I don't really think about much. I mean, I guess they probably have to look after people too, right? Yeah. So Nurse Joy explains that Darkrai has been has been giving people nightmares. It's unusual for Darkrai to, to come out around people, so that means like there's something bad must be going down. Uh, and then Tonio inspects the spiral pattern, which I referenced earlier, uh, on the floor, and says that there's an anom- anomaly in space, which is kind he's kind of piecing it together, like hey. Maybe Darkrai has been, you know, like maybe he's looking into something or maybe there's something more going on than we initially think. Uh, and then when he goes to leave, he walks face first into a wall because he's so deep in thought, uh, which is pretty good. I That actually was pretty funny to me. I like that. So Tonio goes to his lab and he starts looking through Godi's uh, diary for any sort, of, any sort of evidence of this occurring before, like, you know, Darkrai coming, coming out around people. And then we get a flashback to Alice's mother, Alicia, befriending dark cry when she was like a little girl so this is you know uh yeah it's it comes in bits and pieces like there's uh, not like full context with what's happening but there is an exchange between alice's alice's grandmother alicia and the same dark cry that just showed up in this one um it's just there it, it's, it's just flash. it's just pretty much both of them just in the same shot uh, I, guess, I think it. she plays uh, grass whistle and or plays the the leaf whistle in that flashback as well. Yeah, there's no like, there's not really like any dialogue exchange between the two, other than like, "Hey, are you all right?" Mm-hmm. and sort of, "I'm here to help" and whatnot. But that's pretty much about it. Um, and, and then, then that's, and then yeah, that's when uh, Goaty sees Alicia playing, and that's about. It, it again this this whole there's a lot of flashbacks that just come in bits and pieces through this movie and as the movie mm. goes on then they all start to come together yes um and Godi expl- like writes in his notebook uh that he had a nightmare that Darkrai showed him which showed him exactly what he had to do which is vague but you got to imagine it has something to do with the space-time towers so team rocket shows up again and they're posing as tv hosts get in with alberto i guess and like kind of go all along with him when he tries to take down dark uh because right. they want to capture dark right of course as team rocket does right uh it goes way out of their league <laughs> uh so dawn uh goes and buys a lunar wing to, pr- to protect against nightmares like a little shop in town uh which is uh, basically a throwaway scene but it's just you know kind of a reference chimes ring out from the space t- space and time towers because it's hit like a certain time of day 
and we get a really, really unnecessary and distracting camera move that's flying through the towers and around them and, like, just kind of pointing out, like, wow. basically showing, hey, we can 3D animate this Pokemon movie now. Exactly. We're not stuck to 2D animations anymore. Exactly. Look what we can do with the technology that we have, but anyway. Yeah, so the gang goes inside the towers and uh, check out what's going on inside there, and it has this really crazy mural of... Uh, Alice's grandmother and Pokemon all around and stuff. It's it's neat. Um, it is. I I really like the design and like implications or implications. That's not a word. Implications of how the space time tower actually works. It's not just a tower. It's literally a giant musical instrument. Right. And each of the towers has a, a distinct type of pendulum. So the time tower has a traditional clock pendulum, which you know swings back and forth, representing the passage of time. And then the space tower has a free. They have free floating pendulums, which are moving like on a a, a broader axis, uh, which is really neat. I, I think it's it, it's a cool design decision to have that. And uh, so Tonio shows Alice uh, uh, the photo that he that he found in Godi's notebook, which has a piece of music written on the back of it, um, which is. The what's what's it called? Gosh, I didn't write uh, down what it's, it's called. Arasion. Arasion, uh, which is a piece that um, does she immediately figure out what it is? I can't remember. She knows that her her grandmother Alicia played it a lot and said that the song was very important. Right, and uh, so pokes it's like some of the the gang's Pokemon discover music discs that the towers play, um, and. Uh, yeah, so they they it's basically just a full on demonstration of how the space time tower actually works. So as a yeah, musical instrument. Yeah, so you, you take these discs and you go up to the top of the tower and uh, put the disc in this contraption, and then the tower will play the disc. Um, and so Ash is like, "Okay, great, let's do it." So he sprints up the stairs, uh, way ahead of everyone else. And then as he's sprinting up, he sees Alice's balloon and the and uh, his friends float float past him. Uh, and they gloat at him as he runs runs uh, runs up the stairs, which is funny. Oh, um, Ash! What a, <laughs> what a hothead that kid! He's feisty. Kid. I don't know. Help me he's with the words. Your, he's your just your typical grade A moron. <laughs> Shonen pro tag. Too much enthusiasm. So yeah, they they meet him up at the top of the tower, and uh, Dawn goes to put the music disc into the machine, and Ash tries to take it from her like a like a child. Uh, yeah, like, like he's I like, want to do it. No, like, I want to do it. <laughs> which just seems like kind of out of character for him. It's a really petty thing, and it never really goes anywhere. Uh, Dawn gets to put it in, and then Alice has another another disc, which she gives to Brock, which I'm totally down with because screw Ash for that. And then the song rings out through the city, and people dance to it, which is odd because it's not like a super danceable beat at all. Um, just kind of chimes. <laughs> And then we, um, it, so they go to the bottom of the tower, you know, the gang, and uh, they encounter the trainers from the music sequence at the beginning, and then they fight them, because yeah. these are these are violent people. And then we go back to the other dimension, where Dialga and Peltius... And I actually, actually, Bulbapedia actually says that this dimension is actually the unknown dimension. The unknown dimension, okay, that's cool. Like the same one in Spell of the Unknown. Uh, like literally, this is where unknown come from. That's cool. See, that's that's a nice little t- so it's a call tie in there. Yeah, it's nice. Essentially, so we go back to the unknown dimension, and Dialga and Palkia still haven't settled their differences. Uh, they're still duking it out, 
and then a rift in space time opens, engulfing the entire town in a like a weird trippy well, purple it, haze. Act- it, yeah, it's just like this purple haze just suddenly pulsates throughout the town, and in the, I guess, does it show it in the in the unknown dimension that what Polky is trying to do? I don't think so. I don't. I don't quite. Like, it just shows a bright light, and then all of a sudden, Diog is just left there, alone, in the unknown dimension. Huh. I I guess I hadn't really thought... I never really pieced together how these things are connecting. I try and think back to that specific scene, because it's gonna play another important role Mm. later on, but it's just... All we do know is a giant purplish haze just suddenly pulsates throughout the town... Palkia's suddenly gone. Dialga's all alone, and he's not happy at all. I wouldn't be either. So I was about to win this thing. Get back here so I can kick your butt some more. I guess they're just... He's running away and fleeing for now, like, trying to Pretty much, because he's the only one that's received any sort of substantial damage. So... Uh, Darkrai shows up again in the town and tells them to go away yet again, and then Alberto shows up to fight it. And uh, Team Rocket's recording him now as like a television, like a television caster p- crew. So like, uh, I don't know why they gave the camera to Meowth because he's significantly shorter than everyone else. So Those everything's are called action be- shots. Action <laughs> shots, and he's he's moving around like he's shifting his position to like get different poses, which I think is funny. Well, he's got that Meowth agility uh, and flexibility. He's got that cat-like finesse. But I think, I mean, wouldn't every single shot be from like? Sh- uh, from a downward angle, like everything would be shooting upward. Uh, I don't know. I, I maybe I don't, I don't know, know nothing about television. Uh, maybe I don't about anything about recording videos. So, <laughs> so Darkrai starts using Dark Void um, on like and puts up just a whole whack of Pokemon to sleep at once. It's like which, a rapid fire Dark Void, mm-hmm. which is way more than what the move is actually allowed to do. <laughs> uh, like so, yeah, you can put a number of two Pokemon asleep at a time. But he's putting, like, 15 to sleep <laughs> in one go. Ash goes after him, like, running through the town. Uh, and then he sees a Bibberl float through a wall, which is pretty cool, I'm going to be frank. Uh, yeah. I, I really like I really the, the disembodied Pokemon. Like, So the Pokemon that are asleep kind of take ethereal form in the world and float around. Which uh, hasn't been happening before either. But I like it. I'm glad, I'm glad yeah, it does it's start a nice, It's a nice... Like visual representation of what's going on while these pe- while these Pokemon are currently out. I think it's because we're in the other dimension now. Well, we don't know that yet. But it sets <laughs> so, spoilers. We're in the other dimension now, uh, and it sets uh, just kind of a nice tone of weirdness. Like something's definitely off. Uh, and to further <laughs> further show how just off things are, uh, Alberto shows up again, and Darkrai. Darkrai puts Licky Licky to sleep, and then Alberto turns into a Licky Licky, which is like now this movie just got ten times better. We're in for something real. Well, uh, the thing, of, well, the thing that's interesting about that, and it's not just because of the fact that Baron's just turned into this ridiculous-looking Pokemon and is now speaking perfect English because he had the same wacky hairdo that Licky Licky sort mm-hmm. of has. So, you, and he's even got like the same like I want to say it's like an ascot sort of clipping oh, yeah. around his neck and that's the same thing licky licky has as well on him i that's, too. that's what i really liked about like have him having a licky licky in the first place was like oh it's perfect like they design it's, it's like it's they designed nice him pairing. to have licky licky it's great 
it's a um, nice pairing but it's like when you actually look up the character of baron there is a bit of trivia about him that's saying that his name is actually a pun for the japanese name of licky licky oh really so it's, it's like his name is alberto which is pretty much the same sort of pronunciation as licky licky's japanese name buroberto that's that's or, really great that's so uh, he's literally yeah. he's literally baron licky licky that's so that good. is literally like the pun that is derived, but the English dub just lays it all out there. It's like, oh, he's a licky licky, and they call him Bearer, and so he's Baron licky licky. But it's kind of a bummer them, that got lost a, in translation. That's clever. Yeah, it's a lost in translation pun. So, um, so Ash thinks he's a night having a nightmare because he just watched a human turn into a Pokemon, and he has Pikachu shock him uh, to no avail. He, this is reality. This is reality now. Um, yeah. And by him, Pikachu shocking Ash, not like not Baron. And for context. Uh, so we see a whole bunch of disembodied Pokemon start flying around. And... Disembodied? No, just like just little like ghost Pokemon floating around. That's, through I walls. think that's an apt term. You know, they're they're like they're go they're, well, they're like when specters. I hear the when I hear the word disembodied, I mean like a head's coming off, and then the hot the head and the body, two separate things, are just floating through the sky. So De- it disembodied is like, dictionary yeah. definition separated from or existing without the body uh, hashed, uh, in in parentheses or in, not in parentheses in uh, no I guess it would be in parentheses a disembodied ghost is an example that, so. I always hear the phrase disembodied head but <laughs> no for sure I was just, yeah. I was just happy to be able to use disembodied <laughs> right in a Pokemon movie right exactly <laughs> um so. Yeah, so the, they they figure out that the real world is starting to merge with the dream world, uh, or not the not the dream world. Uh, I guess it is the dream world because the dream world is what's ex- going on inside their heads, and the things the Pokemon are dreaming are manifesting themselves in Ash's in new in like world. little. Well, we don't really know exactly what's happening mm-hmm. per uh, se. Super great concept because it leads to some pretty fun gags. Um, yeah. Hijinks and, and everything. Other the other trainers run up to the gang and tell them there's no way out of town, and that all the town's exits are blocked by an impenetrable fog, uh, which will always return you to where you started. So Ash tests this and by running into the fog, and then ends up um, back where he started on the bridge. Literally, it, it just shows him running in a straight line. Then all of a sudden, he's running back into town. Pretty as cool. He was trying to leave, which is a nice little way of showing is like, yeah, you just get turned around and you don't even know it and he just literally ends right back up in front of everybody that he just left behind this is this is like the part where i started to really dig this movie um yeah so and alberto alberto decides to lead the charge to take down dark cry uh and all the trainers go with and he's saying like all of you know he's like giving a rousing speech but he's a licky licky at this point, which is fantastic. Yeah, which is fantastic. <laughs> um, and the only people who are object are, I mean, even our gang is going to go with Alberto, which seems a bit again, out of we, character. They but... don't see anything else. They're just seeing Darkrai just saying, nobody's supposed to be here, and then just starts attacking. Right. But then, but then again, everybody else keeps throwing the first punch, and then uh, that's when Darkrai attacks. So... so... Alice is the only person to object, and Tonio backs her up because she's like, hey, Darkrai hasn't been a jerk before. As a matter of fact, flashback, uh, we get a flashback of uh, Alice taking a tumble off of like a huge ledge uh, while she's playing with Tonio. And, yeah, uh, the, Darkrai... the, original, the original thing is that the original flashback shows that, it was, that Alice believes that it was Tonio that had 
saved her from that fall. Mm-hmm. But Tonio's perspective shows that it was in fact Darkrai that right. saved her. And, and uh, then just and then yeah. she just like regains consciousness with Tonio next to her. So she just comes to assume and Tonio's just too afraid to say no it was Darkrai. But or, uh, for whatever reason. Is this the point where she I, I think this is the point where uh Tonio says that it was Darkrai, right? Or is that later? I think I think that's later, but it's it does get come across. Again, these flashbacks keep happening like in bits and pieces it's and a you lot never to keep get track the of. full story until like the final uh flashback and then you finally understand like everything that is happening. But uh, as to why Darkrai is saving people like that in the past and then suddenly attacking like it is now is still very much unclear. So we cut to news footage or like uh, Meowth's camera angle of Alberto's charge to take down Darkrai. You see Jesse call uh, Alberto Baron Licky Licky and Alberto licks Jesse's face for that, which is good because he's immediately <laughs> adopting his Licky Licky form. Uh, and which then is we, awesome. We cut back to <laughs> Tonio's lab and we see Tonio scrubbing through some footage of the space time tower and then he notices that moment that we saw earlier where the, Palkia... The purple explosion pulsating throughout the town. Yes, and where, where he pops through the rift. Um, yeah, it's just basically doing that whole enhanced image over and over and over again until it's clear as day. You see literally Palkia breaking through the sky. I think it was like a three-time zoom we got. We got like a three, three different crops and then, in. Like, and then like a supercomputer laptop thing just sort of contrasts the image and okay. sharpens it to where you literally see, yeah, that's Palkia. It's worth noting... Person. Uh, we have yet another movie where a laptop plays like a major role in exposition. Um, I can't remember. I think it's Destiny Deoxys has a laptop as a, as someone's like explaining everything that's going on. Yeah, it's uh, just this supercomputer laptop that runs better than mine does, and I'm I need, so jealous. <laughs> I need to get one of those dope supercomputer laptops. I need those in my life. So yeah, so we, he starts to piece together like what was actually going down. And then we cut back to the trainers in the town. Well, I think I think this is like where we can actually say like exactly what's happening, or unless they're still battling with Darkrai before the actual exposition There's, happens. It, the exposition happens after, or, or, uh, okay. before before Dark the Darkrai. How do I explain this? Okay, he's the next scene. The next scene Pokemon. is of yeah. Darkrai fighting the trainers who are coming after him. Uh, yeah, and he just puts them all to sleep again which is funny because they just a lot of them just woke up so right uh, to put them back into nightmare land is pretty great uh and alberto again assuming his role as a licky licky tries to use gyro ball uh gyro ball on dark and then attempts to rap or and, actually, rap. and he actually successful with rap yes uh but then dark <laughs> So he just picked that up instantly. He's like, that's pretty pretty good for first day, well, first is, hour. His a... name is literally Baron Licky Licky. So, uh, so it seems that Darkrai was saying go away to Palkia before. I think Ash puts that together or something. Yeah, he puts that together with like the what it's. He puts that together with the fact that what Darkrai is saying. He's basically saying, do not come here at the site of one of Palkia's distortions to one of the garden pillars, and then basically saying, go, literally go away after the fact of Palkia bursting onto the scene, and then that fever dream nightmare that Darkrai gives Ash showing Palkia, just showing Palkia is just, 
his way of warning Ash, Palkia is here, Palkia mm-hmm. is responsible, pretty much things are getting crazy, So this you is, need to be ready. And that's, like, kind of foreshadowed in Godi knowing, like, yeah, because Dark again, Ray told I, me exactly what to do. Yeah, he told me what was going to happen, right. and lo and behold, Godi's pretty much premonition is now happening. So, uh, Palkia opens up a, a portal to another dimension in the sky. Well, I, what the, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you because it's cool. I just love no, this go ahead. So much, but it's just the scene that leads up to it. We there's still the the gray fog around the city, mm-hmm. but we also get a shot of Palkia partially invisible and shielded as it's trying to protect itself and heal itself from the injury Dialga gave it. Right is literally like resting at the top of both the space-time towers between and it's just like this little itty bitty speck in the sky and then you see Darkrai just like in the courtyard having dealt with all the other Pokemon that have been attacking it and immediately just charges at Palkia Uh, just like tearing through the sky and then immediately just smacks right into that force field just gets slammed right down to the ground and then launches a dark pulse attack at it again saying go away to Palkia and then that's when Palkia wakes up and disperses the fog and you see exactly where we are in the grand scheme. You should be doing these summaries. I'm garbage at this. <laughs> so um it, this other dimension looks kind of like a spooky version of Starry Night, just something I noticed. It's just this inky black pulsating like liquid sky. Uh, and it's that is what the unknown dimension is sort of represented of in this movie as well. It's just like this tar like void, apparently. So like you could Google unknown dimension and that's basically what you're seeing. It's it's trippy looking. So uh Dialgo shows up and starts to lay a beat down on Palkia. And uh mm-hmm. then Brock delivers probably the most awkward line in the entire movie, which is uh they're both considered to be deities. Um, which just doesn't really flow well at all, but whatever. Um, so I called at this point. You do have legendary Pokemon that they've encountered time and time again, but this time it's like, no, they're not just legends. They're base. Well, again, this is an English dub, so you can't really use the so you term can't say God. God. Yeah. So they have to say deity instead. No doubt in Japan they did say these are God Pokemon. The, Japan loves to say God. They love it. Oh, they, they love like their, they revel they in love it. Their religious words. God they warrior. <laughs> Like, like the, the Nausicaa has God Warrior all over it and stuff. So uh, I called it at this point. Not, not that I'm super proud of being able to call this because, you know, it's a Pokemon movie. It's like, well, of course, they're going to have to go up to the top of the tower because I just I was reminded the towers existed at this point. So Tonio says some really, really heavy stuff about a nightmare from Goaty's Diary. Uh, like it's just super dramatic. I don't remember. I don't have like an excerpt from it or anything, but I just remember it being really heavy. And then Alice starts yelling at Dialga and Palkia to stop fighting, uh, which is not worked. In it, I mean, we're ten movies in at this point. It's never yeah, once worked. When has somebody yelling at a legendary Pokemon to stop being a Pokemon and doing Pokemon things ever worked? Ash should be rolling his eyes because he knows the only way to stop them from fighting is to run in the middle of both of them and like kind of get turned to stone. So yeah. Uh, as he does he i mean ash has dispatched or or at least like you know calmed enough legendaries down at this point for a lifetime so like he should be a master at this well again this is not your average everyday legendary pokemon and i don't really think there's ever been and because this is always and when you had said that you were going to be doing rise of dark cry 
for Puckle Movie Club, and I was just kind of reflecting back on it. This is one of those movies where there is no real bad guy, per se, and there's no real, like, legendary Pokemon that set its sights on destruction. This is literally a movie where two literal forces of forces of nature are just having at it, and then there's just a town and its people caught in the crossfire. It's kind of like God, like you know how Godzilla is not really a villain; it's a it's a force of He's nature. Just, it's a force of nature. Yeah, which, which is a great way of describing it. Because um, literally, as they're battling, this town is literally falling apart. I mean, not it's just like it's caught in the crossfire. Like, why would I mean, why would they care about something so insignificant? They literally cr- created space and time. Like, th- this is yeah. so insignificant to them. So, of course, it's going to be meaningless to them if it gets it's caught up. It's just another battleground for them. And it's just, again, you don't, you can't control basically something as primal as Dialga and Palgia. And yeah, it's just yelling at them is not going to work. Darkrai stops the Adaga and Palkia from just absolutely annihilating Alice and yells yet again to go away. And then they both stop for a moment and decide, they stop fighting each other and decide to just lay an ill smackdown on Darkrai. It actually, I think it actually sort of turns into like, or yeah, they actually do just like full on double team them. Yeah, with like I, which two is hyper beams. Which is funny <laughs> to me. They're just like, let's just get rid of this nuisance. Like, let's, let's get well, back actually, to our actual battles. Bulbapedia specifies that they've used Hyper Beam and Aura Sphere against Darkrai. Mm-hmm. Which is after you know, he tries to use Dark Void, but they both use Protect. So, yeah, you're gonna stack. use you're gonna use Dark Void on Legends, like yeah, it's just, no, uh, not gonna work. They the gang runs over to Darkrai and apologize for misunderstanding him, and he sinks into the ground like like a shadow. Um, no, then, he actually just lands in a in like a fountain and it's just like partially unconscious because well, you hit the ground pretty hard, man. It's like Alice and everybody wake wake him up, and immediately what he thinks he sees is Alicia again, like as a kid, because Alicia mm-hmm. and Alice look relatively similar to each other, given the fact that it's grandmother and daughter and like granddaughter mm-hmm. relationships. So I think it's at this point. Well, in the meanwhile, there it's it is revealed that each time a spatial wren and a roar of time collide with each other. A massive chunk of the town just starts disintegrating into the nothingness that is the unknown dimension. So they kind of have this ticking time bomb going off before pretty much everything is gone. So let's take a a quick commercial break here because we've gone for a while now. And Uh, I think we just now hit the halfway point of this whole movie. uh, Or at least the halfway point of our discussion. Yeah, because there's a lot to discuss at this one. So, uh, yeah, we'll catch you on the flip-flop. Hey, this is Ethan from Puckle Movie Club with a quick commercial break. Just letting you know that if you send an email to pucklepodcast at gmail.com, we will answer your questions. So ask us questions about what we think about movies, tell us what you think about movies, even just send us whatever you're up to. Gmail account is pucklepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, it's Thatch, and I wanted to let you know how you can improve your Puckle experience. First, you can come to PucklePodcast.com where we have a chat box and forums where you can talk to many other Pokemon fans who also listen to the show. You can keep up to date on the latest Puckle news by following us on our Twitter, liking our Facebook page, subscribing to our subreddit, and following our Tumblr. Don't forget to review us on iTunes, though. It helps us find more people to come and hang out with us, and we can have larger tournaments because of it. And if you're feeling generous, we also have a Patreon where you can donate in return for some awesome rewards. And as always... 
Thanks for listening and for all the support you give us. Catch you guys on the flip-flop. And we're back. Uh, hope you had a nice little commercial break there. So to run down uh, the rest of the episode, we're going to finish our synopsis of the movie. Then we're going to have discussion. And then we're going to answer your emails. Uh, when we left, the city was beginning to be absorbed by the, the unknown dimension. Uh, Not really being absorbed, but rather just disintegrating into yeah, nothing. It's like... Yeah, so like, you know, it bits literally of wall. is just falling apart. The perimeter walls disappearing and, you know, it's kind of being sucked in. So they determined they got to do the thing. Uh, how did they how did they figure it's, out they had to do the thing? It's the way and again, we have to go through all these different flashbacks to gain a real sense of like exactly what's going on and everything because again, it's Alicia that's pretty much the key to this whole thing, not really Goaty. Like, Godi just kind of set the framework mm-hmm. for how this thing would work, but Alicia had the key this whole Alicia time. Alicia did build these in two towers by herself, so... Of course she did. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically, at this point in the movie, the flashbacks all come together they and coalesce. show that... They coalesce, and you f- sort of begin to figure out exactly how things were going. Like how Godi had, had foreseen all of this happening was the fact that Alicia was just child when this first sort of wave of dark cries menace happening sort of happened and she sees that various pokemon are being put into nightmares in this garden and she sees a luxray attacking something before being hit by a dark void and put to sleep her itself and then that's when she sees dark cry a bit worse for wear just kind of pass out against the tree or at least mm-hmm. just exhausted from literally fighting everything just because everyone thinks it's a threat again just because of the way that it looks and the type that it is it's basically alicia just shows dark rise like hey i'm on your side and i don't think you're bad and then she says this important line that says this this place is for everyone you are more than welcome to be here and that's why dark is in this garden to begin with that's why he's very protective of it, because Alicia basically said, you can call this your home, and you can stay here as long as you want. Does that mean because... that, that the Pokemon that live in the garden have nightmares all the time because they're around Darkrai? I think that's... Well, again, the, the whole flashback sequence ends, and you see... that This is one of my one of my favorite shots in the whole movie, is that Godi's looking at Alicia... As she's just, like, playing the leaf again, because mm-hmm. that's where Alice learned it from. And he sees her just, like, sitting on a rope swing underneath a tree. And there are various Pokemon around her, curled up, relaxing and listening to her music. And then that's when Godi sees that on top of the tree's shadow, he can see Darkrai just chilling there. So uh... it's basically, that's how Darkrai's been hiding this whole time. Just basically out of sight, out of mind. I can't really show myself because not everybody trusts me. Alicia trusts me, but nobody else does. That's why Darkrai was very secretive when he was saving Alice. Because when Tonio sees Alice all right, propped up against a tree, the last thing he sees is Darkrai's shadow just darting off into the distance. Again, can't be seen because nobody trusts me. But this girl looks like Alicia, so I have to save her. Go to the space and time tower, it. and then once she, once they get in there, uh, Alice closes her eyes and thinks for a moment, and flashes back to her grandmother teaching her the song, which is Arasion, uh which Basically means prayer. Just saying it can calm the ho- it can calm the fiercest of hearts, 
that it's basically this song is pretty much if anyone is hurt angry or saddened this is the song that you play to make them feel better right somehow alice manages to, manages to divine which one of the music discs is Arasion. i don't know how yeah. she does it she just kind of closes her eyes and then immediately finds it which she is sees like, it I, it's in the mural that depicts Alicia playing in the garden and it's just like it looks like one of the discs not quite but just looks oh, like it's, it. it's just it's a piece like, of the mural i guess i didn't piece, it's of, just the, a I piece just, of the because i saw it i mean there were music discs all over the place so like i just didn't know how yeah. she kind of okay that makes sense i guess yeah it was, it was like it, should it, was, also, it was a little bit elevated it should, yeah it should also be known that at this point in the movie Darkrai has also come to and has basically just put his foot down and be like i gotta stop this from getting anywhere further because once again dialga and palkia are about to shoot their signature moves at each other again and Tonio basically warns, if those two hit, this whole thing is gone. <laughs> yeah. He said, ironically, he says that twice, which uh. is kind of the second time he says it, it just kind of like dampens everything again. But what's interesting about this point in the movie is right as they're about to unleash both Roar of Time and Spatial Rand at each other, Darkrai literally just dives between them. And then I can't ever tell if this is the move, if this is a hypnosis move a nightmare move or just a super amped up dark void attack but he basically just creates this entire gigantic pulsating bubble of shadow which engulfs both dialga and palkia within it they still have spatial rend and dwarf time charged up and ready to unleash oh no wait actually no come to think of it they hit dark Rye right as he's using this attack and it gets absorbed into the shadow and then they get coalesce pulled in and it basically halts all the deterioration of the town just as long as Darkrai can keep Dialga and Palkia where they're at at this point which how is how many my... times have you seen this movie way too much <laughs> <laughs> oh like so I just much. saw this for the first time the other day and I'm like uh, and I'm like I think I have a pretty good grasp of everything that happens in this movie I think my notes are pretty good and like you're that recalling helps. things that I like that are a distant foggy memory for me holy cow is this just off the dome I watch this movie way too much. I, I need to start what? watching these more if I'm if I'm going to do this podcast. You're showing me up super hard right now. God, well, I am going to be the next two movies as well. That's true. I think we should um, we should make note that you will be on for the rest of the trilogy, uh, and I'm happy to happy to have you because holy cow! Uh, <laughs> like I said, Rise of Darkrai is my personal favorite movie just because of the overall message that it sets out to teach as well, which we will get into at the very end of our synopsis and maybe into our discussion as well continue so they ride in the hot air balloon this is the gang by the way they ride in the hot air balloon up to the top of the towers and they get uh, do they get shaken by like a rift or is it like a wave of energy i think what happens is before dark is able to uh stop dialga and palkia momentarily from destroying the town just one of their attacks i think is I think it's one of Diaga's aura spheres, maybe, that hits the balloon and partially like mm-hmm. breaks it apart. So, so that uh, that leaves Ash and Dawn to have to climb the stairs. So Dawn, which put on Ash for knowing how to climb the stairs first time around, is like, "Ha ha! I did it before. I can do it again." Fall. Uh, Dawn falls way too far, like way too far onto a ledge that's like so far below. 
Uh, and then Ash, you know, quickly follows follows her off. Uh, and the balloon looks like it's going to get nailed by another attack, which would be a, like a killing blow. It was uh, actually Roar of Time. Sorry, I watched Roar of Time. <laughs> it looks like it's going to get hit by Roar of Time. Uh, and Darkrai takes one for the team, and uh, and, and Alice goes like she like slips off because ever, no one can stay on this balloon for the life can of stay them. On the balloon. Uh, Antonio grabs her by the hand, saving her, and which is kind of like calling back to when he, when Darkrai saved her before, but he actually did it for real this time. He's a real hero. Then Brock fishes the now mangled Darkrai out of the pool in the garden. Yeah, that this is, we're kind of going backwards. He hasn't uh, entirely like stopped Dialga and Palkia just yet, but he did take a roar. He did tank a roar time. Go through the flashbacks, flies back up, stops them both with that giant like nightmare ball. And now we're all caught up. <laughs> yes. Uh, and Dawn and Ash run up the stairs of the towers, and they get to a part of the towers where, like, reality is beginning to crumble, and uh, they have their Pokemon freeze the the stairs so they can have something to step on, which is cool. I don't know how, exactly yeah. how freezing stops these things from disappearing, but whatever. Well, that's a, that was something I always found a bit, like, weird. Because, again, you see those the three starter, fully evolved starter trainers using their Pokemon to just basically shoot the ground where the where it's disintegrating. Basically, it's just a flamethrower, hydro pump, razor leaf combination. And it's just like this fire, water, and leaf pelt that's just kind of stopping it mm. for some reason because Pokemon. I um, never really understood. It's like, yeah, I'm just going to throw a couple leaves on here and just hope for the best. Uh, and then somehow it works. Alice starts yelling again for them to stop because this time it'll work. <laughs> uh, yeah. Believe me, you. And then um, Tonio says that alert. one it more doesn't. collision from Dialga and Palkia could destroy the entire dimension. So they just had two redundant statements there. Uh, yeah. So Ash and, and it's Dawn... At this point, it's actually at this point that uh, the Nightmare Ball is starting to sort of fail. And right. Dialga and Palkia begin slipping out of it and right. coming back to themselves again. And Darkrai just literally can't go on any further. And then that's when it happens. Uh, Ash and Dawn get close to the top. I, I don't know if you were setting me up for something there. Yeah, I was setting you up for the big one. <laughs> oh, okay. Darkrai gets walloped by Dialga and Palkia, and, uh, and then he gets consumed by the Dark Dimension. Now we can go yeah. back to Ash and Dawn. Yeah, he's uh, gone. He's disintegrated into nothingness now. Yes. Uh, so Ash and Dawn get close to the top, and uh, Dawn saves Ash from falling, but slips herself. And then Buizel... Uh, thinks on his gosh darn toes and pulls out a major clutch hydro pump and blasts both of them to the other to the other tower, uh, which is a cool move. Frankly, it's that's really slick uh, of him. I mean, MVP of the movie, I'd say, goes to Boisel for that because they both would have been they would have been goners for sure. Um, mm-hmm. So they make it to the top, but they can't get the disc to fit into the the player properly. And then they figure out that Arasion needs to be put in the middle of this dial rather than like the outer circle, which is where like most of the disc have, or where the discs have been going. Yeah, um, it's because it's a different shaped disc and it's a extra special kind of disc too. Right, and there's no power, so the the, the towers won't you know boot up, not boot up, but they won't you know, fire up. But uh, then Pachirisu and Pikachu uh, use Discharge and Thunderbolt respectively to power up the towers, and you know. See, you know what's going on in this movie. You know exactly this. what attacks they were using. I got this unlock. I th- these <laughs> uh, these are the most dense notes I've taken, and I think it shows in the overall runtime of this episode, uh, mm-hmm. which is like the opposite of what fans want. But whatever, who cares? This is this is my gosh darn podcast. 
the tower begins to it glows and sprouts new wings like it it sprouts new pieces which like blossom out and with flowers and then it literally grows wings which are like ethereal white light um yeah it's wings. a yeah it's a literal 180 to where we were originally thinking that this was going to be going it just all of a sudden like transcends space and time yeah. <gasps> i just suddenly came up with that okay moving on joe <laughs> very nice very nice <laughs> Uh, Godi is a genius, by the way, if you manage to make this happen. Wow, holy cow. Ash scolds Palkia. I don't remember what that note means. <laughs> well, the way that it is, it's Arasion, like like uh, Alicia had said, it calms both Dialga and Palkia down. So they're, be, they're pretty much like, why are we fighting? All, All right. right. We'll, just, we'll just stop where we are here. We'll pick this up later somewhere else. And Dialga just basically flies off. To who knows where at this point. Spoiler and alert. Does he scold movie. him? Well, it, it gets to that point because then it's just Palkia and Ash is at the top of the space time towers, and then Palkia's just kind of looking at him like, Who are you? And then, yeah, Ash just starts going off on him. Uh, and then it's just, he basically is just saying, How could you and Dialga do this? You were destroying the town. You killed Darkrai. Fix it now. Pretty uh, much. He's just basically demanding. So. Fix this, everything. This Pokemon that created all matter, like everything, uh, somehow finds it in his heart to restore the matter that it created for some reason. Which is physically impossible because, as Thatch would attest, matter cannot be created nor destroyed, but it's Pokemon. Returns it, I guess. He's But, like, <laughs> what? I don't know. He's just like, shut up, kid. Whatever. Fine. I, it doesn't matter to me anyway. So the day is saved. Uh, well, oh, by the way, we're back in our reality now. Yeah, Alamos Town is back to where it should be. Everyone's back to normal. The dreams have subsided. Licky Licky is now not Licky Licky anymore. Uh, so they get a uh, uh, we get a flashback of basically every instance Darkrai fought in the movie, which is like a little bit much. Um, we yeah. already we already knew he was a hero. You didn't have to tell us again. And uh, so yeah, it, there's a gotcha moment where you see uh, Darkrai's shadow on a mountainside. Um, or it's the top of the towers themselves. Well, there, it's, it's, he's casting a shadow onto the mountainside, but he's up on top of the towers. Yeah, um, perspective. Yes, and then uh, and then Alice comes onto Tonio a little bit, uh, and then Darkrai, as you said, stands awkwardly perched on top of the tower. Yeah, because this is the first time you actually get to see like Darkrai actually does have legs, and man, are they long! <laughs> They're long and very straight, just completely rigid. They're just spindles, and it's really uh, it's really like in that uncanny valley area. Yeah. I was just like, we've been seeing Darkrai throughout this entire movie, and then all of a sudden he's just boing. They're, there's not even feet. They're just like points. They're, so you can't really say that they're legs per se, but more like extensions of his body. And it's just, it's just, it's just weird. It's just very weird. Now, this is the point in the movie where I ask myself, um, where did Alberto and Team Rocket go? But then the ED starts, you know, starts up, and you see them later on. But I feel like they would have gotten some kind of resolution. But yeah, again, it's just the way that it ends with uh, Baron is like very just weird. Like in the middle of all this conflict, while he's just kind of trudging around as a licky licky, he just suddenly, like his licky licky, finally wakes up. So then he reverts back to his human form. He starts like screaming and shouting like, yeah, I'm human again. And then he just sees the unknown dimension all around him. (laughs) And then that's where we last see him. Until until the ED. Until the ED, yeah. Um, And again, same thing with Team Rocket. They just kind of get flung into a tree. They get chased around a bit, and then that's it. 
Now, that's the movie. Now it's time yeah. for let's, let's get our thoughts on this movie. I will go out of the way. I'll just I'll start things off by saying this movie drags way less than some of the other movies. I'd say it's almost like feels the shortest of the ones we've watched recently. And not like not because it's actually has like a shorter runtime, but but just because it moves quicker. Outside of yeah. like the initial seventeen minute period where nothing happens, it it's pretty zippy. Like there's always something happening. It doesn't like stick there's in one always place for too when long. when you get too tired of like characters talking to each other, they just they literally just hard cut back to Dialga and Palkia fighting each other, and just be like, remember this is happening. So it's uh, getting there. It's just like that. It those those sort of scene transitions of hey, this is also happening at the same time too. Or then uh, it just intermittents one of those flashbacks too, as well. I, I think this also eases like location fatigue that I've been having. Uh, yeah. With like the with some of these movies, because how many places can you really set a Pokemon movie where it's like go to a new town and then it's like this one is you know in a forest somewhere or you, you know? But I think this one's yeah. unique in that it, we do go to another dimension. Granted, we Good are call. still in the same town, but the town itself just gets warped somewhere yes. else. And like the town's less of a character than it than the towns are in some of the previous movies, yeah. but I do ultimately like where we end up going. And I think this movie really benefits from having a good crop of side characters. I'd say it's like yes. the best crop we've had in maybe maybe in, in any of the movies outside of like maybe Forever. Yeah. Uh not Forever, I'm sorry. Uh Oh no, not that, not that piece of trash. <laughs> uh, thir- the third movie has a decent crop, but like, the, I, I like the characters of Alberto, Tonio, and Alice. Like, they have distinct yes. char- character traits, and I think the stuff between Tonio and Alex works, or Alice works, because you know they got a backstory and there's a there's a history. They're characters. They're characters with feelings, and Alberto is a goofball, and I I, I like him getting turned into Licky Licky. It's a good gag. I I would like to say that Darkrai is like. In, in spite of not having a ton of lines, is fairly endearing. Yeah, and he he, he does come across as a true hero. He sacrifices I will say, himself. I will say that uh, with Darkrai, there's this. There was a discussion that I had a long time ago. Well, not really long. I'd almost say like a year ago with uh, Lord Jashiro, where we were talking about the idea of Pokemon being able to talk, and like, where's that point where you cut off where a legendary can and can't talk? The biggest proponent was Keldeo, which we will get into when <laughs> he's a we punk. Get to I, from that. what I hear, he's a bit of a punk. He's a bit of a punk. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Vic, but you didn't really do justice. And oh, well, no. you can't really see that. It's, it's Vic Manina. Vic Manina. Vic Manina. Vic Manina. Yeah. Vic Mick. He was in Full Metal Alchemist. He's in Bleach. Yes. Edward Elric is a whiny horse shoots water from its hose. How appropriate. Okay. So anyway, back to my original discussion, because Darkrai played into this point between me and Lord Jashira about Pokemon being able to talk, specifically legendary Pokemon. It's like, we constantly kept hearkening back to like, why does Shaman have to talk? Why does Keldeo have to talk? Why mm. does Deontay have to talk? And it's just like, they're just these random Pokemon that don't really have any sort of specific traits to them other than just being the mascot legendary for their respective movie. They don't really need to talk. And it's like, Mew didn't talk. Mewtwo gets a free pass because of the fact that he was created. created. by people, yeah. So I brought, up the, I, I brought up the point of why Darkrai talks. And again, his voice, is, his voice is very limited. He doesn't speak a lot. And in, even in so, some of his phrases are not even like complete sentences. 
mm-hmm. or just like not even that long. Can I can I take a guess? It, well, it's just, well, we came to the consensus that it's his nightmarish dark type persona that sort of influences this whole he has telepathy like Mewtwo does. What if, like if you, what if the things that he says throughout the course of the movie are things that he's heard a lot himself? Like go away. Think about it. Maybe because he's a Pokemon and can understand Pokemon, all the Pokemon in the for in the park are pretty much saying go away. Do not come here or whatever. I would maybe chalk that up to it. And again, his dark type persona allows him to sort of speak in his own right because mm-hmm. of the fact that he is humanoid to an extent. These are like okay. concepts too. Like, like he's. It, I, I think he's a literal nightmare. Yeah. So, and a nightmare can be anything that it wants to be, so long as the human mind can give it shape, form, and a voice. So. I almost have to say that's why Darkrai has a voice because he's a nightmare and nightmares can literally do mm-hmm. anything to you. And that was basically what me and Jashiro had gone to the in with discussion of. And that's yes, a very Darkrai's good thought. Voice, I like that. It's yeah, a good thought. Darkrai's, Darkrai's voice gets a, the Lord Jushiro seal of approval as well as far as talking Pokemon goes. Yeah, it's a, it's a, one of the more effective ones. It's not like, hey, Max, blah! So, you know, it's like, that's a grade A in my book. Um, yeah, and again, he's just, it fits his it fits his physiology, it fits his mood, it fits the Pokemon itself. It's not Jirachi, so... It's not Jirachi, sorry, it's not. And um, it's not Shaman or Keldeo, sorry. <laughs> the the only stuff in this movie that's like really awkward is the leaf whistle just does not sound good. The leaf whistle, yeah. I would in, it would make more sense if she like I'd almost have to say it would make more sense if she actually did carry like a full on instrument with her, even if it is just like a small flute or a pan flute or just some sort of like some sort of whistle of That sorts. would not kind of be retreading like the stuff in 2000 though with the ocarina. Yeah, or the uh, pokey flutes or whatever. Well, pokey flutes are always a thing. So, and fair. it's not—it's nothing too crazy for somebody to just like carry. Well, again, music's pretty much been in her life since Alicia taught her everything that she knew about music. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't go. Quite no, you're out right. The window you're definitely right. That it doesn't—it is—it doesn't seem as far fetched to have her just carrying some sort of musical instrument some sort of small lightweight one that she can just kind of whip out whenever she wants to and just play around with if she's bored. Now but. let's take a second and address one of like the more not, I, I'm not like it wasn't bothered by it, but it's just definitely something I noticed, which is that a lot of the plot points have been recycled from previous Pokemon movies. Yeah, there is there. You can see like the, uh, the analogies that are made or the allusions to other Pokemon movies that came before it. Not really like characters showing up in a in like a cameo role. Not just that per se, but the fact that there is like we are literally treading old ground. Yes. When we go back to that and there is a list of these sort of allusions, whether they be intentional or unintentional that come up and or it's it's like you know it's you've got two legendary pokemon battling is like creating the huge issue throughout the movie you, which is kind of like a, a destiny deoxys type deal you've got 
like the flashbacks which existed you know Lucari and the mystery of Mew as like a plot yeah. device it's like like we there is literally like an allusion to every single Pokemon movie that comes mm-hmm. before it like we've got three trainers that appear with their specific region's final evolution which was set in Mewtwo Strikes Back. We had mm. a Venusaur, Blastoise, and Charizard all together. Here we've got Torterra, Infernape, and Empoleon all together. The the one we just mentioned before was like the the plot, the, like the music element is definitely something that mm-hmm. already existed in the Power of One. Like Play the flute, resolve the issue. Pokemon Two Thousand, whatever you'd call it. Um, and it's like we've got the Unknown Dimension, which was shown in Spell of the Unknown, which I had said before when I figured out. That it is called the unknown dimension, not just this void. Now, I, I just, I think this ends up creating just a better movie for it. I yeah. like, frankly, because it's just combining elements of things that have worked previously. Um, yeah, and they, and they, and to be honest, in their respective movies, they work. Yeah, even the airship transportation, it works. Sorry, uh, Selby, but it worked better in Rise of Darkrai. I'd say so. You could take your airships and fly off somewhere else. <laughs> I just got a, a few more thoughts, and then we can, you know, you can bring yeah. up what you want to bring up. But uh, I feel like this movie had actual stakes to it, which is yes. something that a lot of the movies struggle with, and that we are mm-hmm. like in a pretty desperate situation at some points, where like yeah. the, the the city's getting torn down around them, and like I I, I, I thought that was a really is- cool thing. This is probably one of those first instances where there is literal destruction of an entire chunk of a map mm-hmm. happening. And it's just not like heading happening like in an offshore island or a forest or whatever. No, this is a town with people in it, with buildings and the society that is slowly crumbling around it as these two forces of nature are duking it out with each other. And literally nothing is working. And you could you can sort of see like even if worse came to worse and the entire town and its entire populace is disintegrated into nothing, Dialga and Palkia would just continue fighting each other as if nothing Forever. had happened. They would. They would. And that uh, really sets the stakes. Like, they've got nothing to lose, nothing to fear, except each other. And uh, they just keep going at each other. And that's where it really raises the stakes. Uh, so I'll, I'm just going to wrap this up in a nice little bow by just saying, like, I didn't like. I hadn't seen this before, so I didn't come into this movie with an opinion already formed on it, uh, which was I nice. <laughs> uh, obviously, as we know, I was pleasantly surprised, and I think it kind of sets like uh, sets me with decent expectations for what we're going to see going forward in this trilogy. Uh, this is like no, oh no, you can't say just you can't make noises like that. Next, just wait till you get to the next one because it's going to be a complete juxtaposition on my part. If a man can dream. A man can dream. Uh, there is one very important thing that is shown in this movie that really does set this whole movie apart from everything else. And as a matter of fact, the entire trilogy, just because of one thing that happens in the movie, and that's and it sounds insignificant until you figure it out later, that during the course of the movie, there's a scene where Dawn buys a lunar wing at a shop hmm. in Alamos Town. The thing is, though, that same Lunar Wing pops back up in an episode of the anime, which is actually the episode where Cresselia and Darkrai make their anime debut rather than a hmm. movie debut. So just by that simple purchase of a Lunar Wing, the entire movie trilogy is considered canon officially in the Pokemon anime. 
which is the first in the entire series that I guess maybe no not a first Mewtwo Strikes Back did make first canon but it's the first since Mewtwo Strikes Back that a movie has become literal canon within the anime there you go it's, it's something just as simple as buying a lunar wing I keep rattling on and on about this movie being the greatest Pokemon movie that has ever been made and uh, and all that stuff. It's just this simple premise that this movie sets out to establish. Like we all know movies on their own they're supposed to have some sort of moral to their story. There's supposed to be some sort of theme or idea that's supposed to be conveyed to teach people a lesson or literally an idea or a way of thinking. Mm-hmm. The way that I looked at this movie was literally the old phrase, looks can be deceiving, don't, don't judge a book by its cover. Because if you, hadn't seen this, if you hadn't seen this movie, and you didn't know its title at all, you just knew it was a new Pokemon movie, and was going to debut the Generation 4 Pokemon. You hadn't played the games before, you knew Dialga and Palkia existed, but Darkrai was always this mystery. Or you never even knew Darkrai existed. And then you see Darkrai for the first time, and everyone is accusing Darkrai of all these things. And it doesn't defend itself. It doesn't provoke anything. It only fights back. And it's because of its nightmarish appearance. It's because of its the attacks that it uses, the dark type behind it, and just basically its overall persona that it inflicts nightmares. It brings pain and misery to people as they sleep. All the while, though, Darkrai is actually the good guy, this force of nature that is actually on the hero's side, opposing these two other literal gods of creation, and all the while still receiving hate, ridicule, and just basically discrimination against. Despite everything, though, it literally lays its life down to protect everyone who hated it. And I just really think that was... A huge driving point with this movie was that despite everything that happens, despite everything that happened to Darkrai in its life, and as it continues to live, it still threw itself out there and just did what it needed to do to protect literally everyone and succeeded. So that was always just one thing that's always stuck with me because, again... I'm not the only one who's seen this movie and has actually experienced that sort of ridicule, discrimination, that literal bullying just because of who I am and the person that I am going to be. Mm -hmm. I was discriminated for my looks, the way I thought, the way I acted, just as Darkrai was. And yet, despite everything, all of it, he still does the right thing for the people that hate him which is something that I've always said makes you stronger as an individual. And when you can go toe-to-toe with gods and come out alive, I do, I do think that speaks volumes about that sort of issue. That's some pretty heavy stuff. I can't wait it, for the next movies to completely throw that out. Yeah, <laughs> especially the very next one, because all of this love and admiration for a movie, yeah, that's not going to be in Giratina and the Sky Warrior. I'm oh sorry. My I, can, gosh. I cannot bring myself to love that movie. <laughs> but yeah, th- Thank you very much for sharing your opinion on this movie. Uh, it's been awesome. Are you ready to move on to the mailbag? 
I am so ready to move on to the mailbag. All right, here we go. Uh, we've got one from way back. Uh, this is from Antonin way back in uh, last year times in October. Uh, he sent this in specifically for Rise of Dark Cry, so I've been saving it. Uh, I did not forget about your email. Hello, Ethan and company. I'm really mad that I missed last month's mailbag deadline. I just watched the movie a few days ago, and it was okay. What was it about again? I'm glad to hear that I'm not the only one to feel like my attention strays while watching these movies. I, I guess this would be in reference to movie nine. Uh, yeah. We've, but on to Rise of Darkrai. Looking through the intro, it was nice to see a callback to the other movies and just how far Pokemon has come. I haven't seen a single episode of 4th Gen Pokemon, so I was pretty excited to watch this movie. Everything's new, except for Brock? Okay, so I don't understand. Ash is always supposed to have new companions, but I've noticed that Brock is in literally every single animal anime. Why is that? What makes him so much more special? I think Brock is a timeless character. Yeah, he's supposed to be that male role model, that adult that you're supposed to project onto. That basically just grounds everything and gives Ash an excuse to not go hungry. (laughs) Uh, Brock is... Along the, he's like a Harry Potter or a Huckleberry Finn. He's it's eternal. Like, it's, uh, like, I, it's like icon, legendary chef, expert Pokemon breeder, womanizer. <laughs> what a legend! What an absolute <laughs> what legend. legend! Legend, Brock's a legend. So yeah, that's what makes him so special. Is that he's just an he's a he's a an everyman. He's a he he's a. I think we can all relate to Brock in some ways, where we like uh-huh. to eat, make good food. And uh, be, a, be a dork and go on adventures. Anyways, um, okay. Okay, and I swear, the sound that Palkia makes is exactly the same one that the lizard that Obi-Wan Kenobi rides makes. There you go. Yep. And it, I would almost dare you to pull up that video that he's included in the email and just listen to it carefully. Because I know you saw the movie. And do you remember Palkia's cry at all? Yes, I do. I, 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 I didn't know. I just, I guess I didn't think much of it at the time. But yeah. it's identical. You're totally right. Yeah, it is identical. And it's a very distinct sound, so the thing they can it get away with. It is a very distinct sound. So, uh, all right. So I don't want to get into the weeds of things with this movie because I bet you could write a long email about it. Or, you know, I could probably spend an hour and a half talking about it to myself. Uh, I could. <laughs> we just we just did. So We just did. <laughs> uh, so here are a few things I had beef with. One, Brock is still a girl-crazed player. In 2016, this doesn't hold up as okay anymore. Seriously, check the moves. Check the news. It's not okay. As we just discussed, it's what makes him so endearing. Yeah, and He's also a- this movie came out in 2008, so we lived in a different time back it was, then. It was basically <laughs> the 60s. Uh, yeah. So, two, Team Rocket appeared way too early. Where, where, are tip- where are their typical breaking the fourth wall jokes? Or uh, Team Rocket disappeared way too early. Where are the typical breaking the fourth wall jokes? Uh, I like what Team Rocket did in this movie, which is I not too. much. Yeah, they're just kind because of, in a Pokemon movie, we always have to have that other opposing force that literally like throws Team Rocket out of the whole spectrum, just like in scale and magnitude and everything. It's just they I mean they seem like like goofy characters in compare in comparison, which they are. But yeah, they're supposed to be a joke. So when it comes time to actually be serious, you can't really take them serious ever in any sort of situation. Uh, and uh, three, erg the 3D. Just no. I completely agree. Uh, the 3D CG is not super hot in this movie. I but... would. I'd say that we you ha- there's a fine line between when you do do the 3D in an anime sort of setting like that, 
and this sort of I'd have to call, I call it a hybrid 3D because you got 2D things happening in a 3D background mm-hmm. where it's being all cinematic and everything like you see Darkrai like spiraling up the tower and everything the tower's spinning and going crazy and all that because it's in 3D but Darkrai is just stagnant floating in the air it's, it's like literally it's jarring I, I think it's jarring it's, it's jarring and it's it just doesn't flow right no uh, and uh, here's a few things that he liked. One, beautiful scenery. Painted backdrops for the win, and the settings were, in general, really nice looking. Uh, I will say, I, Almost Town is like one of the more beautiful settings that a Pokemon movie takes place in. I will say, as much crap as we gave it when we reviewed it, uh, Pokemon Forever, it did have a very beautiful setting of the forest landscape and everything. It's just everything else didn't do it justice. But it's worth noting... This is the first digitally colored uh, Pokemon movie, which I thought yes. I thought that it occurred way earlier on, but I guess I was wrong. And uh, yeah, it, it did look very nice. I think the character models look nice in this too, which is uh, which is nice. It's a good good thing to have. Mm-hmm. It's good character models mm-hmm. or character designs rather. Uh, I like the Diamond and Pearl designs. Uh, Gen four Pokemon are really nice looking. I wish I had a functioning TV and cable when the fourth Gen series came out. Hey man, you can get back there now. It's it's available in places. Where, yeah. where do you even watch that? You can watch there's Pokemon like Pokemon.tv, right? Has yeah. uh, has some of the episodes. As broken as it might be, you might just be able to scrounge something up. <laughs> uh four, Darkrai is pretty tough or cool, we'll say. BA look BA actually. Uh pretty we'll BA, let you fill in the actually. Five, not a bad story or voice acting. This movie was so much better than the last one. Yeah, I I think the story is is one of the more dense and complicated ones which is kind of nice just one there's only one point to uh pokemon ranger that you really need to harken back to that just shows how like cringy it can be and i, I just i coin it super saiyan ash oh yeah <laughs> I, <laughs> i'm like what <laughs> i man i but but it's got the thing with the pirate on top of the ship i mean uh, not, i don't know pirates in your movie can't fail uh so uh, six songs and music seem to be very important in Pokemon movies. Ever noticed that? Uh, yeah, that's we we made note of that earlier. It's a recurring yeah. thing throughout these movies. And seven, woohoo! Darkrai made it. Yes, I I'm also happy that Darkrai made it. Yeah. Um, I was actually kind of sh- like thinking for a moment, uh, in spite of myself, th- that like, hey, maybe like, he won't make it. Yeah, I was. I when it did happen, I was and Palkia started like reversing everything. I was thinking to myself, how do you bring something back to life? I know you can manipulate space and everything, but you can't really manipulate that which is already dead. But it's Pokemon; anything goes. Uh, And uh, so this is just the rest of the email here. Uh, I've really noticed just how much how much these movies and the anime add to the Pokemon universe. I mean, now I'm pretty excited. Pretty excited about Darkrai, and never really cared for it before. Well, that's it, everyone. Can't wait for the next movie. This one ended up being decent. I I agree. I'm in the same boat as him, where it's like, I never had a super high opinion of Darkrai, and now I've uh, got a soft spot for him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you very much for the email. Moriarty. Okay. Moriarty? So, yeah. Uh, Mor- Mor- uh, it's a, isn't it just Moriarty? Play on the uh, Sherlock Holmes character. Is it, <clears> like, is it literally taking... Okay, is it just a pun? Yeah. Or... No, it's just, like, it's just basically like a... It's a direct it's rip? Like the, is that how you spell the, Moriarty? The, yeah. Oh. I guess I've just been inserting an R in Moriarty my entire life. Or Moriarty yeah. my entire life. Uh, I apologize to all, all of the fans. <laughs> Hello, Moriarty here. Listening to your podcast in regards to generations, I wanted to share what I thought was a missed world-building opportunity. I thought it would have been neat to have Giovanni, 
Giovanni protected legally some... I thought it would have been neat to have Giovanni protected legally some way as a gym leader so that they had a battle so that they had to battle him enough to send him to a Pokemon Center where they should arrest him. <laughs> I like the idea of Blue beating him and Looker getting excited before Giovanni pulls out a bunch of Max Revives and Max Elixirs. I guess what we got was pretty great too. Thanks for listening to my rant, Moriarty. So yeah, I guess it, one way that's like the second or actually was the uh, first episode of generations i guess what we could have had is blue being like an undercover cop for looker mm. and everything and battling giovanni weakening him to the point where he can't fight back and then once he leaves the gym which is like i guess a protected area that you can't really influence and then like is on his way to the pokemon center that's when looker could have gotten him but Giovanni always thinks on his feet. Max revives and Max elixirs. Yeah, it's an interesting take. I think I just wish the Giovanni in Generations was as interesting as the one in Origins. Yeah, and like Giovanni Origins is like one of my favorite characters in the entire franchise. Uh, and his arc it's is actually intimidating. He is very intimidating in Origins. So we got one his- last email here from uh, Sometimes I Fly. Hello, Ethan, and whoever he has. I got Viger today. Let me start off by saying that I haven't seen any of the Pokemon movies past Spell of the Unknown, but I think that is one reason I enjoy this podcast so much. I get to hear all the highs and laughs summarized without having to struggle through some of the, well, lows of the Pokemon movies. So obviously I don't, I, uh, I don't have anything to say about The Rise of Darkrai other than I like, I, how I like the way the title rolls off my tongue. And you may be asking, sometimes I fly, why are you even here? I just wanted to share my appreciation for the quality of Puckle Movie Club. It is easy to overlook how difficult organizing and transitioning through a show of this nature can be, especially when the content is hit or miss. But the way this show is paced has me interested the whole way through. There's a perfect amount of humor, tangents, and opinions thrown in with the core summaries. I think that is, in due, that is due in large part to the host's efforts to maintain that balance. Maybe I'm going a little far here, but I really enjoy this show, and I know the TCG show has its fans, so I wanted to be sure Ethan's fans were speaking up too. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate Thanks. that. This means a lot. <laughs> this is this is super spectacular. Thank you. Thanks a ton. Uh, I can tell that you apply your knowledge of filmmaking and media to provide perspectives I do not have and very much appreciate hearing. Finally, I tried sharing the co- comments on the website, but I'm not sure you saw... Uh, so I'll repeat it here. The Pokemon Origins episode with the Fluffiest Whimsicott was probably my favorite podcast ever. The enthusiasm for the content and the quality of the analysis were, spe- uh, were spectacular and has gotten me to try and look at media differently because there were so many things you mentioned that I missed when I was initially watching the show. Well, that should be enough applause for one mailbag, I would say. Uh, I regret having missed the Puckle Holiday Movie Night since I had so much fun at the Spooktacular, but I had family commitments to attend. I'm here's hoping I'll be around for the Love Discathon theme uh, come ha- Valentine's Day. Keep up the great work, Puckle. Sometimes I fly. Thank you very much. I really, really appreciate the, that glowing email. Uh, it means a ton. Yeah, a, a lot of work goes we into this podcast. We always love your feedback, guys. Whether it be positive or negative, we'd love to hear your feedback. Because it's easy to be like as a creator to be critical of your own work and to hear this like this really validates the time that goes into it uh, thank you very much I, I really appreciate that so yeah we have a patreon exclusive commentary track which is for i gotta see how what the goal is 
Oh, we did it. Okay, well, I guess it's out. Uh, the like, we have the commentary track for Pokemon the first movie is out and about for Patreon subscribers. You should check that out because I'm really proud of it. Uh, and I, I know Thatch is too. And we had a lot of fun making it. So yeah, check that out. Check out the website, PucklePodcast.com. Send us emails at PucklePodcast at gmail.com. Put PMC or Puckle Movie Club or something to indicate that this is for PMC in the subject line of your email. What do you got to promote, Figer? I do the news here on PucklePodcast.com. Anything that happens in the Pokemon world that you need to know about, I will most likely report on it come every Friday morning at 7.30 Central Time. I also am quite frequent on the Twitters and the YouTubes as well. I'm always on, I'm on the podcast every once in a while as well, so just check out all those media sources and everything. Check out other episodes of the movie club, the, uh, older episodes of the podcast, and stay tuned for new ones because there's always going to be new ones on the horizon. Look forward to fu- future uh, movie nights as presented by Puckle Movie Club. Uh, they're really hard for me to get to actually you know, organized at this point in time because my weekends are basically always taken up by shooting movies. But I will I will make sure that you guys know when another one will be coming around. From beneath the ruins of Alf, I've been Ethan. And I've been Viger. And it's closing time. I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.